In John chapter 1, verse 1, we hear about that thing that has come to free us from darkness. That one thing that is powerful enough to rescue us out of darkness's grasp. Verse 1 says, in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John 8, verse 12, Jesus is talking, and he says, some of the most powerful words that he uttered. And he said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And those couple of passages and that truth is so important for us to understand tonight. That we can't dismiss it, we can't just let it kind of roll off our shoulders or, or off our back and just forget about it. But we've got to understand this truth, and here's why. Because unless we understand the incredible darkness that existed in us, we will never fully appreciate what the light has done for us. For all of us in this room, because of darkness, because we are born into that, into that um, that spiritualness, we are born into darkness and sin, and that brokenness exists in our life from the moment we take our first breath. There is nothing that we can do to fix it. But the incredible news is that what we were powerless to do because of the darkness in us, God did by coming into the world as a light. And God is the one that exposed our sin and showed us our need for him. Just as the darkness brings fear and brokenness, sin, pain, and death, the light brings forgiveness and freedom and joy and hope and life. And anyone who places their faith in Jesus is brought out of the darkness and into his light. And that's the only way. For some of us in the room tonight, maybe who in this very moment are living in spiritual darkness, here's my challenge to you, is that you allow God to bring you into the light. Sometimes, and maybe this is true of you, where we get conditioned, we figure out the right things to say, we figure out the right things to do, where we can take that darkness, we can take that sin or those secrets that nobody really knows about. And we can kind of push them out into the darkness. And we do it, maybe even do a pretty good job of fooling the people around us into thinking that our life is okay. We do such a good job of pushing that away, of hiding it, of putting on a great face, and pretending that we've got our life figured out, that everything is great, that everything is fine. And the incredible news of the gospel, the incredible news of what Jesus has come to do for us is that those of us in darkness, and we all started there, don't have to settle to stay in the darkness. We don't have to settle for that light. 
that if you're in, that, in this room, in this moment, and you are living in spiritual darkness, the incredible news for you tonight is that you don't have to stay there. Is that you no longer have to pretend. You no longer have to hide. You no longer have to keep those secrets buried down deep, feeling like no one knows. Because as powerful as God is, God knows. God knows all your secrets. God knows all of the dark places in your heart. God knows all of the pain and the sin and the brokenness that exists in your life. And what makes what Jesus has done for us and his love for us so incredible is that even though God knows, even though God understands and God sees it, God still loves us and he ran into the darkness to bring us out. That even though that sin and that brokenness and that pain exists, and even though we feel like we tuck it away down deep and no one can see it, God can see it. That we can't fool God, but God wants to bring us out of the darkness into the light where we can receive hope and healing. So maybe you're in the room tonight, and I would just challenge you over the next few minutes as we're talking about this, to know that you hiding and the secrets and the games and all of that stuff can stop. That you no longer have to settle for living in the darkness, but you can now be brought out into the light where true hope and healing exists. Now, for the rest of us tonight, for those of us that have experienced that and God has brought us into the light because of the cross, I think a separate challenge exists for us. Now that we have experience the light, we have the challenge to now be the light. Now that we have tasted what it feels like to be free from the darkness, God now says, you are now the light. Now you're to go and to do the same for other people who are living in darkness just like you once were. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5. And as we finish this year, as we close up the, the year looking through the book of, Rev, uh, of Ephesians, I can't think of a better few passages, few verses for us to look at tonight than what we're going to cover as we finish this year. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8, and here's what Paul says. He says, for you were once full of darkness, talking about all of us, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things the ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. A few years ago, uh, some, some buddies and I were, were uh, living in Nashville, and we had an apartment that was in the downtown area, wasn't too far from downtown. And uh, there was this old abandoned hospital that was just a, a few streets down from where we, we lived. 
And uh, I remember one weekend we had some of, uh, of our friends come into town and we were talking about what we we're going to do that night or whatever. And somebody came up with the brilliant idea that we ought to sneak into the abandoned hospital. And so we hopped in the car, we drove down the street, parked out on the street in front of the, the hospital. And you've got you to visualize this. I mean, old abandoned hospital, kind of in a rough section of town, nothing else around. And this hospital building is just sitting in darkness. There's no electricity. There's nothing to, no street lights or whatever, just this dark, abandoned, freaky-looking hospital. So we get out of the car, we hop the fence, we walk around, we, we find an open window, and so we, we, we jump in and we just start walking from room to room. And we've got our flashlights and we're kind of shining down, just, just kind of exploring a little bit, figuring out what's, what's there. And as we're walking through the, uh, the hospital, all of a sudden we start hearing people walking around in the floors above us. And so we just figured that there were probably homeless people or something that had, had snuck in and they were living there. And so that, was, that caused, you know, our heart was already beating a little bit fast and that caused it to beat a little bit faster. And so we kept going, we are going room to room and we came into this one room and it had these filing cabinets. And we opened up the filing cabinets and there were these index cards. And we discovered that this was not just an abandoned hospital but this was an abandoned mental hospital. And we started reading the note cards of these people and their mental illnesses and some of the things that had happened there and some of the issues that they had dealing with. And all of a sudden, our heart began to beat a little bit faster. So we kept going from room to room. We, we went up to the next, uh, the flight of stairs up to the next level. We're walking down this dark hallway, and we get to this one, one door, and we sh- as we shine our lights onto the door, we notice that there was a splattering of blood on the door, and then the blood, had, you could see where it had trickled down the door. And so now, not only are there homeless people in there with us, and it's dark, and it was an old mental hospital, but now we're finding blood on the door. And as we, as we pushed that door open, and it kind of you know, creaked open a little bit, and in that dark hospital, what we thought there was no electricity, no power, no, nothing but darkness, as the door opened, we noticed a, a really small fluorescent light bulb that was on. And I don't know if it was the way that it was flickering or how dim it was or what it did to the shadows in the room or it was just a collection of everything that we had witnessed up to that point. But we didn't say anything to anybody. Nobody screamed. We literally just all together, we dropped our flashlights and took off as fast as we could down the hallway, down the flight of steps, out the front door, jumped, ran across the, the front yard, over the fence, across the street, and we didn't stop at all or say anything until we got to the other side of the street where we thought we were safe. And we're, you know, bent over and we're trying to catch our breath. And then do we kind of look back at the hospital and we're looking at each other going, did you see that? Could you believe that? What in the world was that? And all of us at that, at that moment 
vowed that we would not walk in that hospital again. And a couple months later, they actually bulldozed the whole thing and, um, and built something else there. And it's one of those memories, I tell, I tell that story to say this. As we're walking through the hospital, as we're walking down the darkness of those hallways and into those rooms, what sticks out to me now in, in hindsight is the fact that the, the things that are in the darkness, the, the, the thing about darkness that is so scary and, and can be so dangerous is that sometimes we can, we can pretend like there's nothing there. Right? The darkness hides things. The darkness keeps things in secret. And so we can convince ourselves. We can say that that's not there. You know, we can talk ourselves up. Maybe we hear stuff, but because we don't see things with our eyes, we can trick ourselves into thinking that those things don't exist, that they're not there. And yet the power of the light is the fact that when the light shines into the darkness, it shows the reality. When the darkness is there, those things are in secret. Those things are in hiding. But when the light shines on them, it exposes the truth. It shows the reality of the situation. It exposes the pain and the brokenness. It exposes those dangerous things that sometimes we feel like we've tucked away and it's not there and it's non-existent. What makes the light so powerful, and I think what Paul is saying in these verses is that when we shine the light in the darkness, it has nowhere to hide. There's no chance for the darkness and the things that exist in the darkness to run and to hide and to, to stay in secrecy any longer. Because the light exposes them. And what Paul says to us here, if we claim that we love Jesus, if we're followers of him, if we've been brought out of darkness into the light, is you and I are now people of light. You and I are now the light that goes into the world. And here's the thing about the light. The light doesn't bring condemnation, but salvation. The light is good news. I think sometimes we, we use the light, and if, if we think we're light, we use it kind of as a, as a hatchet or something, and we kind of use it to, to cut people down and to, and to belittle people and to cast judgment or condemnation on people. Or we use it to kind of pat ourselves on the back to think, well, look how much worse off you are than I am. And that's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what it means to be people of light. What Paul says is that we are with the light to expose the darkness. Not so that we can cast judgment on people, but so that we can help them discover the God who can bring hope and restoration to their lives. That's what it looks like to expose the darkness, to be able to go into the world and say, hey, there is hope, there is freedom, to expose those things, not out of judgment, but to bring salvation and to bring hope. I mean, you guys, we've been talking all year long about Ephesians 4.1, right? We've been beating it over the head, almost, you know, overkill, Talking over and over again, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And in light of what we're talking about tonight, and as we end the year, man, we are called to be people of light. Man, can you think, and when you think about that, what that means, can there possibly be a better calling that you and I could receive than that? 
mean, you and I get to every single day go into a broken world and find hopeless people and cry out to them, there is hope. We get to go into the world and say to those broken people who are living in darkness, come into the light and be healed. I mean, we get to storm the gates of hell where people are held hostage by sin and condemnation and proclaim, Jesus is the only one that you need. Jesus is the only one that can bring freedom to you. So so come out of the darkness. Let me rescue you and bring you into the light that can bring you freedom and hope and healing and forgiveness. And can there be any greater calling than that for us? Could there be anything greater that could motivate us every single day as men and women, as followers of Jesus, than to be people of light in a dark, screwed up, completely messed up world? And to be the one, rather than offers judgment and condemnation, is the one that offers hope and freedom. What is it that makes darkness exist? The absence of light. You want to know why there's so much darkness in your, on your school campus? Because the people who are supposed to be light are absent. Man, don't blame the darkness. Don't blame God. Be the people of light that God has called you to be everywhere you go. On your school campus, in your neighborhood, in your family, everywhere that you go... Be the people of light that exposes the darkness and brings healing. Because it's only when there's absence of light does darkness reign supreme. It's only when we as people of light are absent does darkness have any power. It's when we choose not to shine our light, when we choose not to imitate Christ and live the kind of life that God has called us to live and go into a dark world. When we refuse to do that, that's why we see the amount of darkness in our school and everywhere we go. It's not because God is distant or God doesn't care. It's because you and I refuse to be the people of light that God has called us to be. There's such an incredible contrast between light and darkness. When you think about the two polar opposites of those two things. And if God has truly rescued us, if God has truly brought us out of the darkness and into the light, then don't you think our lives should reflect that? I mean, don't you think that there should be a noticeable difference if we were once completely on this side in darkness and sin and brokenness, and God has brought us out of that and into his marvelous light? Then other people would be able to take notice of that. If we take our calling as people of light seriously, if we take our calling as people of Christ seriously, if we claim that we love Jesus at all, then we have to understand and take that calling seriously, that we are to be people of light. We can't live in the light around people that are in the light and then choose to live in the darkness around people that are in the darkness. We are the light. That's who we are. That's our identity. That's what God has called us to. That's who we are if we follow Jesus. And so there can't be this kind of back and forth thing where we turn off our light or we dim it or we pretend like we're not a follower of Jesus when we're around the darkness. 
The very reason we were created to be light and given that calling is so we could go into the darkness and rescue the same people that need it just like we did. When we live as people of light, we imitate Jesus. Here's the main point for us tonight, and it's simple. If you can see, write this down. Those who imitate Christ view darkness as an opportunity to shine their light. We don't view darkness as an opportunity, again, to cast judgment or to condemn people or to pat ourselves on the back about how much better we are than them. We see darkness and we use darkness as an opportunity to shine our light. As we've been in this imitate series, I've been thinking about this over the last couple weeks, about how Jesus calls us to imitate him. And here's the thing about this. I mean, Jesus is putting his reputation on the line. I mean, it's his name that's at stake. It's the name that is above every name. It's the name that, that can rescue the broken people. It's the name that is the hope of the world. It is that name that we represent, and it's that name that we, that we take into the world when we imitate Christ. It's the name that is above every name. It's the name that, that can rescue the broken people. It's the name that is the hope of the world. It is that name that we represent, and it's that name that we, that we take into the world when we imitate Christ. And I guess the question for me is, do we adequately represent him? Do we live in such a way and imitate him in such a way that it casts a, a, an accurate light on who God is? Or do we drag his name and his reputation through the mud by the way that we live? As we, uh, as we close this year reading through Ephesians, I think it's, I think it's important for us as we finish to kind of go back and look at the last thing that we hear about the church of Ephesus. That last thing that we understand, that, that kind of lasting image as we've seen those incredible instructions and the, the powerful words that we've read over the course of this year, to be able to look at the end as the Bible was finished being written. And see what the last thing we know about the church of Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is talking to the Ephesians. And here's what he says. He says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do what you did at first. Now, this is the lasting impression that we have of the church of, of Ephesus, right? About 30 years after the book of Ephesians was written, this is what is written about the church. So we don't know what happened after that. All we have are the last things that were written to get an idea of what the lasting impression, what their reputation was when all was said and done. And all we know when the Bible is completed is that the church had a reputation of not loving God like they used to. 
And they had done all of these things, they had done this stuff, and it was cool, and God was honored by that. But yet at the end of the day, they had lost sight of what mattered the most, and that was just loving God. I mean, passionately loving God. And I can't help but, but wonder what will be said of us. Like what, is our, what, is, what is our reputation now at, in this moment? What do people know about reckless? What do people know about you as an individual as you walk through your daily life? I mean, what is, it, what is our reputation now? And even thinking ahead, another 30, I mean, 30 years from now, as they look back on us, what are they going to say about us? What is that lasting impression? What is that thing? What, what are we known for? What will we be known for? Will we be known for people that did some cool things or had some fun or, you know, we, we did this, this stuff or we built wells in Nicaragua or we did certain things? Are, are there, are there a- certain acts that they'll remember? Or are they going to remember something that's more lasting? Are they going to remember something that's much more powerful? Are they going to remember us as people who went through the motions and just pretended that we love Jesus? Or are we going to be remembered as people who love Jesus so passionately that we ran into the darkness in order to rescue the people with the light? What is it that we want said about us? As we finish this year, as we have have concluded looking through this book and talking about living lives worthy of, of our calling, and talking tonight about being light in the darkness, What is that reputation that we want? Matthew chapter 5. And we end here. Verse 14. Jesus says this. He says, you, talking about us. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Tonight, as we close, there's kind of two separate challenges. Maybe for, for you in the room tonight, you were living in the darkness. From a spiritual standpoint, your life more reflects the pain and the sin and the brokenness that you you carry around with you and you try to hide it, but you really can't do it. Maybe right now in this moment, there are people in the room who are living in the darkness. And as I said before, my challenge and my encouragement to you is that you come out of the darkness and into the light. That you no longer have to live that way. That Jesus is offering you the freedom that you need, the forgiveness that you need. That Jesus wants to rescue you, not so that he can expose all of your, the things that you do wrong and so that people can stand around and make fun of you or mock you, but rather so that you can receive the hope and the healing that you need. And the other challenge is for the rest of us. And that we be the light in the darkness. I am so sick and tired 
in my own life of going through the motions and just faking it and pretending like I love Jesus. And yet you look at my life and I'm no more a light in the world than anybody else that lives in darkness. And it's a challenge as we go back and we read this to be smacked in the face with that and be challenged and be encouraged to go, we cannot settle for just this half-hearted, complacent, going through the motions Christian life. We can no longer be satisfied with just checking a box and showing up in this room and singing a couple songs and then going through the halls of our school and extinguishing our light and pretending like we have no idea about what God has done in our life. And be more interested in all of the other things that that our friends that are living in darkness want to do and being swayed by that and being pulled back into the darkness when God has given up everything in his very life to rescue us and to bring us out of that life. But rather, we take on that calling and we say, you know what, this is a, an incredible calling that God himself has given to us. And there is nothing greater and there is nothing more impactful and nothing more important than me living every single day passionately loving God and allowing him to use me to be a light in the darkness. And we start living that way, not just on Wednesday night, not just when we show up here, but every single day in everything that we do and say. We live as people of light. So that God can use us to bring hope to those who desperately need it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this year. God, I thank you for the things that you have done. God, I thank you for the life change that has taken place. God, I thank you for the students this year who have taken that step and they have, they have come out of the darkness and they have left their sin behind and you have rescued them. And it's not because of anything that they have done, but they have simply trusted you and received the forgiveness that you offer through the cross. God, I think of students that in the last nine or ten months were once living in darkness and now are not only living in light, but they are being the light. God, I know that there are people in the room tonight who are in the darkness in this very moment. God, I pray not by the power of my words, but God, by the power of your spirit, that you would open their eyes to see, God. That you would expose the dark areas in their life. You would expose them to their need for you. And God, I pray that they would not walk, but they would run into the light. God, that you would rescue them, that you would free them, that you would forgive them. And you would change them into who you've called all of us to be. God, I pray that we would no longer be satisfied for going through the motions. God, I pray that our reputation would not just be people who go through the motions and say with one side of our mouth that we love you. And yet with the other side, we live like the world and we do what we want to do. God, I pray if we love you. God, if you have rescued us, then God, everything belongs to you. God, our lives are yours. We surrender to you, God. And we take on this incredible calling, we receive this calling that you've given us to be the light in the darkness. God, I pray that you would use us in our schools, in our families, God, in this community, God, that we would run into the darkness so that we can rescue those people with the hope of the gospel. God, may you use us. Jesus, we need you. God, I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that you would make us more like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.